1: Hey, everyone, it's me, Kirsten Franklin, and I'm super excited to be able to bring you this offer. Uh, as many of you know, I've spent the last 10 years studying human behavior, the psychology of high performers, writing, coaching, training, right, literally at the top levels on topics such as motivation, focus, productivity, confidence, overcoming fears, leadership, and so much more. I was really inspired by my own personal journey, as some of you might know. I went from being a homeless single parent, turned into a parent overworking, right? 16-hour days plus weekends and really turning it all around in about two months and working a four-hour day, no weekends, really learning how to build a profitable business that doesn't require me to be in it every day. And it was really incredible. The change was amazing. I was able to help you know, more people while making more money and yet having more time, more than enough time to spend with friends and family and do what I wanted. Um, and my goal is to really help you do the same. I don't just teach you what worked for me, but what's worked for hundreds of my clients. And I'm opening up right now my weekly coaching group to all of you. Now, this is only for the people here in either Thrive Tribe or who follow my podcast. Okay, um, the seats are limited. I only have 50 seats open. That's between both groups. So once they're full, they're full. And that's not a marketing ploy. I'm just letting you know ahead of time so that you can make your decision from your highest and best self what's right for you. Okay, right now I'm only charging $150 per month. Google, it's unheard of. Nowhere will you get four hourly or more sessions a month for $150 total. Okay. Most of the lowest end coaches charge $150 an hour. Okay. You guys know, I don't play in that space. I charge $3,000 an hour. So if you are wanting to work with me and you have always felt like you couldn't afford it, this is your chance. And it will likely move quickly because again, there's only 50 seats in there. Okay, so if you want to go to another level in your personal development, your business, your life this month, be sure to join me live weekly in my coaching program. And again, this is live and it's weekly, right? This is not something where you're going to go buy a video, stare at it, and maybe take action. This is live and it's weekly and it's small group so that you get your opportunity to be heard and have your questions answered. Okay, and I know you know that expert guidance, real consistency, and inspiring community are critical to your growth. So this is your chance to work with me live every week. And because you're a part of this group, you're getting it at a fraction of the cost. If you're part of the group or you're following the podcast, all right. And you know, if you're really looking to enter 2021 as that 2.0 version of yourself, right? That kick butt unfuckwithable version of you and your business, right? Then it's time To level up, take back your year, take back your business, take back your life, find that focus, gain that confidence, get that high level of productivity set in there, and really feel what it feels like to live a high vibrational life. Go to the link below and let me be your coach, and I would be super excited to see you on the inside. All right, guys. On this week's episode, it is my absolute pleasure to introduce my following guest who is a world-renowned integrative medical doctor and educator out of the UK. She's best known for her work through her Conscious Cancer program, as well as her work with leaders from around the globe. Please welcome Dr. Sangeeta Sahi.
0: Welcome, doctor. Hi, Kirsten. It's, It's wonderful to be on your show, and thank you for inviting me. And thank you, listeners, for your time and attention. Absolutely. Thank you so
1: much for joining
0: us here. It's an honor to have
1: you with us. And for those who are listening, can you explain exactly
0: what it is you do? What is integrative medicine? Okay, so Kirsten, integrative medicine is actually very much as the name suggests, integration. So integrate um normal Western um uh, allopathic medicine is very pharmaceutically and uh, very technically based so it focuses very very much on the technical details of the body of how the body operates functions biochemistry physiology anatomy pathology etc now integrative medicine takes all of that plus more natural approaches. So you have herbs, you have um, Ayurveda, which is the most comprehensive and ancient um, science and art of of medicine and of, of healing. And then you've got of course, traditional Chinese medicine. So when you integrate many of these other components into mainstream allopathic medicine, because a lot of the um, other natural components also take into account lifestyle, culture, nutrition, and also belief systems and emotional um, health which obviously right now people and doctors, the medicine, medical faculties are all absolutely recognizing and understanding these are very, very important and very, um, very essential now um, yeah. issues. Yeah. So
1: I that's know. really
0: integrative.
1: Right. Okay. and And so, you know, for lack of a better word, because I feel like it's so overused, but it's really like a holistic approach. It's really... Um, Looking at all of those different factors and, and seeing how they kind of are producing this result in your body that you're not really wanting.
0: Is that correct? That's absolutely correct. And with the holism, there's also the scientific backing of all these different things as well. So Ayurveda has got its own scientific knowledge behind it. Um, Traditional Chinese medicine has got its own scientific knowledge behind it. And so has um, herbal medicine and all the energetic modules too, because energy medicine is very much also a part of integrative medicine. So it's also scientifically backed. It's not, there is a sort of misunderstanding or um, uh, out there that, you know, um, natural medicine is not scientifically validated that's not true it's not true right. at all it is scientifically well in this country we
1: we tend to have and I don't know how it is in any, any other country I haven't been insured by health insurance um in any other country but in this country it's really interesting because it's changing now but I would say even just 10 years ago really in the area of pain management it was really difficult to get coverage for quote, alternative medicines, which now fall under this practice, right? If you're talking about herbal medications or herbal, you know, remedies, or if you're talking about energy work on something where they can't show what's, why there's no pain, there's pain, right? Like, or, or you're tired or something like this. And there's, you know, they do their panel and they do their films and they do it, but oh, we can't tell. And then you want to choose this thing, even with a PPO, You can't get it covered, right? And so, so you talk about you know the the evidence to support it in each of those those categories, right? The 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 Chinese medicine, the the Ayurveda, and all of that. And yet, you know, and again, it is changing a little bit now, but it's still so difficult to get certain things covered. So, if there's such scientific evidence, why do you think, if you could know or if you could even opine on this, why do you think it's so difficult for us to get that covered. Like, what you know? If the proof is there, why can't it just be covered?
0: Okay, uh, <laughs> yeah. it's because pharmaceutical companies—they <laughs> they run medicine, they run mainstream medicine and insurance, healthcare insurance. So, um, if it's not worthwhile for them, then it's not. It's probably not going to be covered. But having said that, you know, I do know that in the UK they are using acupuncture for pain relief. Mm. Um, They're using it uh, pre-op, and they're also using it um, for uh, uh, when women are going into labor and they're having labor pains. So for some pregnant ladies who'd like to have pain, natural pain relief methods rather than taking epidurals, they are using um, acupuncture, which obviously is covered by the NHS, the National Health Service in the UK. So there are certain areas where they do, because I think pain relief is one of the areas where it's more allowed in the UK, definitely. Um, but otherwise, generally, mainstream medicine is run by pharmaceuticals, the pharmaceutical industry. So what they what they want to cover is what they cover. <laughs> yeah, but but I think that it's almost systemic
1: because the way MDs, doctors here, are are kind of brought up in the system uh, between the having to potentially avoid lawsuits, which is part of it, right? Oh, well, you could have prescribed this and this couldn't have happened. And now we sue you because you fail as a doctor. And also just the way in which they're brought up in the actual, you know, education and facilities and facilitation of, you know, um, practice. That's what they do. I mean, you can, I, I just remember... I'm big on vaccines. Like everybody thinks I'm crazy. I think that they have eliminated disease. Let's just look at the facts. But do I think my child needs eight shots at a time when they're three years old? No. So I will have a fight with my doctor and say, we're coming back in a couple months. She's going to get it. Relax. Like, I, you know, there's certain things. But then I'm crazy on some other things. But it's just interesting because if I had brought my my daughter to the doctor and expressed anything it was immediate antibiotics and I used to be a medical malpractice defense attorney mm-hmm. so I would defend these doctors so I, I I was like are you prescribing that because you're afraid you're going to get sued and this is the standard practice or did you find something like or should we just wait three days and see maybe it's a virus and then if it doesn't go away like she's not going to die right now. <laughs> like it was really it's really like in this country like your kids get prescribed antibiotics for everything every little thing And it's like, okay, like, what are are we doing here? Are Are we checking in with our gut health here after, you know, a certain time? Like, what's going on? It gets a little, it gets a little much. Now, you know, let me ask you this. How did you even become involved in this? Because you come from a long line of traditional MDs, right? So how does one go from total, you know, generations of MDs to, hey, look at this. This is fun. This is interesting. Look at how this works, right? Like, how did you, how did you get involved into this type of medicine?
0: Well, Kirsten, I was, like you said, I I come from, I'm fourth generation in my family of medical doctors, and I was very, very interested in the origin of disease. It wasn't just about symptomatic relief, like you're, like you're, um, like you're saying, but it was much more about okay. So why do people get certain diseases in the first place, and why do some people get them within the same family, um, and what is how how are genes inherited within a family, and um, so there were I had a lot of questions in my mind um, when I was studying medicine and um, I really wanted to understand a bit more at a deeper level. So what I did was I went into, at that time I was very, very interested in spirituality. So I was working with quite a few spiritual teachers, very amazing, really amazing people. Most of them are no longer alive. Um, They've passed, but they were amazing and I had some very, very profound spiritual experiences and having like a more of a scientific mindset, I wanted to be able to understand from more of a scientific, logical mindset about some of the experiences that I was having because they, they, they were connected with my physical body. And my mind so it wasn't like people talk about out-of-body experiences okay but they've got to be connected with your body for you to experience it through your mind in the first place right. so I, I then kind of came and you know I was I grew up in London in the UK and I, I came to America and I started working with quantum physicists in the states and I started working with biophysicists in in, in England and we had at that time the equipment to be able to look at certain things and be able to validate and verify, like the chakra system, which is the Mm -hmm. um, inner energetic system Mm -hmm. of the physical body. And we could also look at the meridian system through through this apparatus and equipment, and we could see the meridians. And then we could also see how frequencies change and go move in and out of the chakras and the meridians um, through changes in postures, changes in thinking, changes in breath work. So we did quite a lot of different experiments. We even did some wonderful experiments on animals to see how Reiki, you know, energy healing yeah. would affect animals and, and their, their frequencies. So it was, it was a very interesting time for me where I could look at, well, okay, diseases start at the quantum level And then I traveled through many different realms of epigenetics, which is um, the effect of external factors on gene expression, Um, and then uh, um, nutrition, nutrigenomics, the effect of food and dietary habits on gene expression. And then I studied something called psychoneuroendocrinoimmunology, which is how thoughts, actually affect um, the nervous system and the endocrine system and the immune system of our bodies. And then I kind of put all of the systems together um, in my understanding and in my work and added on top of that consciousness, which is what I'd learned in my spiritual uh, journey. Mm -hmm. And I came up with a whole axis that was, again, very logically connected up between consciousness, between the mind and thoughts, the mental levels and the emotional levels and the physical body. And that's really how I work with my patients and even with my clients generally is through this very, very coherent, integrated whole axis of a whole system approach for the human being. Right. That's incredible. So now beyond
1: your MD, you also have an MBA right? And you work with leaders. So how does the MBA kind of factor into your work with leaders? And how does the integrative practice factor into your work with leaders? Two different
0: questions there. (laughs) Actually, that's a really good point. But you have to remember, business is what we do in life. Mm -hmm. So it's all connected up with people and systems. And definitely something that I found is almost every system that we implement in life, any any field of life is based actually on our physical body if you look at the computer they're trying to make the computer operate like our brains operate and yeah. function so if you you know if you look at any system it's based on how our bodies function and if you look at connections they're all based on how we as human beings connect with each other so business to me was just another system, but it was a very important social exchange system where we get together in different groups and we exchange products, data, tools, whatever it is that we exchange for money or trade or whatever. So I found that very interesting. And all that I did, obviously I got a very good understanding and systemic understanding of how business on a, a kind of international level, and national level works. I did my MBA from ESSEC in Paris, um, in France. And it was very interesting because it was again, very international, very multicultural. So watching how the different cultures and different groups of us work together and how our brains are wired differently according to the different cultures was also incredibly interesting. So I realized that every cultural tribe has got its own way of operating within their own tribal system and community. And every individual within that tribe also has their own individual system. Mm So that individual system is a whole, and then you've got the tribe's whole system all working together. And that's when I started looking at all of these different interfaces and connections and saying, hey, you know what? We can do this, we can work with this. And if you have one leader, a CEO or a founder, and I work with them specifically, on different issues that they would like to work with. Uh, A lot of it is based on transformation and change, especially now with everything that's going on. But I've been doing this for a very long time. So we work on that, but what happens is we work on them. I work with them as a whole system. So I work with them on their their consciousness, on their um, emotional, on their physical, and their mental health and coherence. And that of course has a direct effect and influence on their their, um, organizations and their companies. And that's incredibly satisfying to watch how the companies and the people within the companies get to change because I've worked with the leaders or the founders of the companies which have direct influence on changes in policies. So that's how I got involved in that. And it it was really an incredibly interesting journey and it continues to be even more so now because we're very, I'm very deeply involved with sustainability and a whole universe of sustainability too. So it's led me down very different routes, but still the focus is the same.
1: Yeah. And so just as a little aside, I believe, uh, I think in one of our conversations you had mentioned through, I don't know if it was through the conscious cancer program or sustainability that you also ended up doing some
0: documentary film work, no? Yes, that was, actually, I have a, I founded a foundation, a charity in the UK and also in the US called Unified Human Foundation. And basically we support projects and NGOs who unify human beings with nature. So it's very focused on the environment. It's very focused on the planet and When I was doing a lot of my own recce work, this is something I've been doing my whole life, it's not something that I've done started doing recently, but working with villages in India, in Africa, in in, um, New Mexico, in the US, and going into their communities and working with the indigenous as well as um, communities they're fascinating. I absolutely love it. And one of the things that I really chose to work with was making documentaries because their stories are incredible, and their stories completely and directly link up with their lifestyle, and of course everything connected with their lifestyle. So their health, their their, um, their how they operate, how they do business, how they their language. You know how they how they communicate. It's very, very interesting. So th- this is like my my point of passion in terms of you know going out there in 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 the field and in the grassroots. Plus, I love being in nature anyway. In in those agricultural village settings, it's very it's it's very different from from uh, an urban setting.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I live across the street from Central Park, so I just can take my break every day and at least get that in. <laughs> I'm like. You had mentioned something just now, lifestyle, and I want to bring this to the sort of startup realm, okay? You know, as young people bombarded by social media and, quote, successful people, I think that there is many different things that they kind of get forced upon them, ideas, concepts of what quote work is supposed to look like, what startup life is supposed to look like, what their lifestyle might be, right? And meaning at one point it was super cool to work so much that you slept on your couch in your office and, you know, it was 24 seven and you were just a struggling startup person and oh my God, and then you're like one and now you're like a billionaire, right? And then there's a very different side of that, right? I teach a very a very different way of hitting that same success. You know, not doing that, you know, watching what you eat, exercising, really trying to get consistency in your sleep and all of these other things. Talk to me about what you think your best advice for someone who is entering this startup world might be.
0: Fantastic. That's a fabulous question, Kirsten. Thank you. The trend that I see happening uh, more and more, especially in, in the States and in Europe, with the whole business world is people are beginning to understand and realize that doing things slower gives for better decision-making and more productive and more wise outcomes. Making very quick decisions based on limited data can make for losing resources, let's say, or not using, not not using resources in the most efficient way. So I think businesses are definitely beginning to understand that people need to slow down. And I think COVID, this whole um, pandemic, has forced uh, the whole world to slow down. Because I think everybody was so focused and they were in their heads And they were going crazy, crazy, crazy. Online, this, that. We're still online, I know, with COVID, but things have slowed down. We're forced to stay at home indoors more. I mean, in the UK, we're completely under lockdown.
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah.
0: Um, As I know most of Europe is as well. Exactly, again. And this is serious. It's not a soft lockdown. Right. It's it's a serious lockdown. Right. For the second time this year. Yeah. Yeah. And people are beginning to understand that they actually have a lot of, it's not easy for people to slow down and to stay calm and quiet and peaceful. And it's not being a Zen monk, it's actually slowing down the brain waves so that you can be more aware and more conscious of the choices that you're making and the decisions that you're taking, not just for your, definitely for yourself, but also for your responsibilities and what you're doing at work. And I think with that comes a longer term approach. Mm. So companies and organizations are now thinking more about the long-term effects and how these effects, environmental, climate, uh, productivity, health of their staff, and employees how that's going to affect the long term uh sustainability and and thriving of companies and organizations i think we we're, we're going from a transition model of survival and success short termism into a more transitioning hopefully into a more sustainable model of more long termism yeah so that my advice to startups would be, think consciously and take your time. Don't be in a rush to make lots and lots of decisions because it's, at the end of the day, you know, it's better to make the right decision rather than a quick decision. So I I just want to put this in a little bit of perspective too. There's there's a few
1: things I want to touch on. You're talking about slowing down and I know I'm going to hear this like, oh, but what, what about money loves speed? What about... Oh, you got to pivot. It's always a transition. You have to make a decision, right? But here's the deal, actually. If you took the time in the beginning to slow down, understand consciously your true focus, your true end game, all of those things, it becomes much easier to quickly digest the information that's coming at you and make that decision. That's what we're talking about, right? When you have that conscious big map, Then when like that thing happens, you're like, oh, actually this is what's in alignment with this because you've already, you're there, you're there. The other thing, you know, and that's what I always say. I have a saying, I say, slow down to speed up, slow down to speed up. And what I mean by that is everybody wants to jump in their business and they're going to do this business plan and they're going to map this process they're, Wait, how do you know that's a process? Did, Did you do the research? Did you slow down, take the time to do the research, really understand it And make a conscious decision that this was the way you're going to go, why you're going to go this way, et cetera, right? And then I also heard you say, you know, leaders right now in the pandemic are taking the time and really realizing what their employees need. I want to make a point that leaders also need to focus on themselves. They're very busy in these organizations implementing all of these things right now for their employees. Don't forget about yourself. You're the captain of the ship. If you go down because you didn't take care of yourself... You're not setting the example and you're crushing the thing you're building, right? Um,
0: Absolutely.
1: Yeah. You had mentioned to look at the longer term, right? That companies or or leaders right now are looking at a more sort of permanent change. And when I was working with my client during the initial outset of the pandemic, besides saying, you know, increase your lines of credit because you don't know what's going to happen, right? I got a lot of pushback for that. I'm like, who cares if you ask for bigger lines of credit? It doesn't mean you have to use them. But by the time you think you're going to need an (laughs) additional line, right, they're not going to be given it anymore. Trust me, like (laughs) been through this in 2008. Just please trust me. But I know that my companies that I worked with when we were deciding what their pivots were going to be, I was very specific. They thought of it as a temporary move. And I said, you're thinking wrong. Whatever you're going to spend time, money and resources on right now to build should be looked at as a permanent vertical right? And many of them were coming from a non-online space. And I'm like, if you're going to build an online mechanism, why are you building it? And at that time, it was like a three-month projection, right? I was like, why would you spend the time, energy, and resources to build a three-month band-aid versus spend the time, energy, and resources and have an entire new vertical that will last forever because it's, it's the internet, like, you know, or whatever you're trying to do. And so, you know, the companies that I work with did extremely well, while their counterparts are flailing because now they're at that point where they're like, well, I didn't quite build it. Right. Right. I didn't look at it that way and I didn't pull my lines of credit. So Now I have no money to go try and build it right again. So it's, yeah, it's like really taking that long-term approach. But again, if you slow down and you see things differently and you're really looking at the oh, picture. Also, also
0: Hirsten, yeah. Kirsten, when you slow down, you also do. You have time to do more in-depth research and homework. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So now, how so? How did, you go. actually have more resources.
1: Hmm.
0: Yeah. You know, in the in the long run, you can look at things in a different way because you've got more, more, more data in a way, more information. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely.
1: This happens, and I'm just going to bring this back to startup land. I mean, it happens all the time where they run and gun, and they think they're going to do this thing, and they think they've done the research. But really what they've done was researched the thing that they were thinking about versus researching the entire landscape. You know that. You see that all the time. Like, oh, but I did this, and it was supposed to work, and it was like, there's 15 other different models that could have been more beneficial, but you didn't even notice them, right? It's like, wait, so what happened here? That's not research. Um, <laughs> all right. So talk to me about how some of us can kind of bring this into our daily lives. Like how can we, you know, whether we're the leader of our house, whether we're the leader of an organization, how can we bring this type of practice on a sort of, you know, daily level?
0: Well, Kirsten, actually it's quite simple. It comes down to having more awareness, enhanced awareness, greater awareness, And I think that any tools that allow you people to have more awareness are are it. So whether that tool is exercise, whether that tool is Pilates, whether that tool is meditation, whether that tool is yoga, whatever that tool is, because there are so many tools out there and they all work. It's just that you've got to find the one that works for you specifically. So any tool that allows you to slow down your mind and to actually just very simply bring you back into the now, into the present where you are happy And by happiness, I don't mean, oh, you know, excited and, you know, happy in that way. What I mean by happy is comfortable, comfortable being in the present. When you're comfortable, you will see how your life really is. And every every you know aspect, whether you're in the house, whether you're in the because I see this with people all the time. I work with so many people from diverse cultures, diverse backgrounds, diverse um, occupations and professions, and I see this all the time. They're just constantly focused on tomorrow. Excuse me. Bless you. <laughs> Thank you. On tomorrow, constantly. And I'm like, okay, so have you figured out what you're gonna to do today? Have you figured out what you're gonna do in half an hour? Oh, um, well, um, uh, yeah, but I've gotta, I've, gotta, I've gotta get ready for tomorrow. I've gotta be prepared. And I'm like, okay, okay, so that's it. There's, that is the missing part, the missing link. Because when you can, when you can actually just get real and be present, All the things that you need to do, they actually get done faster because you're focusing on getting them done and you're not focusing on what you're going to be doing tomorrow. (laughs) Right. right. So they're very simple, but I'll tell you, Kirsten, the simplest things seem to be the hardest for human beings to apply and implement. That's That's why they say, yeah, yeah, it's a mindset, but it's also a behavioral mindset and it's a societal community mindset. Yep. You know, when everyone's running, why am I sitting here?
1: Right.
0: I should be running as well because everybody else is. And I don't want to be left out.
1: Right. Well, it's, 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 it's ingrained. Like, look, my daughter says to me just yesterday, we we're out walking in Central Park and she said she felt really good about like school and and how she felt like she was working harder and it was paying off. And I wanted to bring her attention to the fact that she's using this word harder, Right. And I was like, well, I mean, are you just, you know, more consistent, more conscious? Like, what do you, no, no, I'm just working harder. I mean, hard work pays off. I'm just letting it, it's, it's paying off for me. I'm like, but was it really hard? And and cause I wanted her to really grasp that, right? I was like, was it really hard? What did it, what exactly did you do and what's paying off? She's like, no, it wasn't hard, but I mean, you know, hard. She kept repeating this phrase to me and I'm just like, who who told you this shit? <laughs> like, I was like, because it, it's, it's in there now. And I just want her to know that as long as she's not defining hard as being difficult in that in that instance because I don't want her to feel like it has to be this uphill battle to get the success because that's what I work with a lot. A lot of CEOs, a lot of leaders feel like if they're not tortured, if it's not difficult, if they're not facing the mountain and conquering it, then it wasn't a win. Then then nothing's gonna happen. Right. But they put themselves in that cycle of of it has to be really difficult and then and then we're gonna get the success. Right. And like it could be challenging, it could be interesting. Why does it have to be like killer hard? Like you feel like you're about to die and then
0: all of a sudden you're a winner, you know? Kirsten, uh, I always use the example of like, you know, when 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 a tree or, or a plant grows, how difficult is it for, for the plant to grow? Mm. I mean, it grows, right? You can't stop it from growing unless you completely kill it or, you know, uproot it. Generally speaking, I mean, I think that's what we're doing and I think that's exactly what we're doing with our with our forests and with our jungles and everything. We're just killing everything. Yeah. And for what? I mean, nature is designed for growth. It's not designed for struggle right. or pain. Right. It's designed just to grow because that's what it does. So let me so ask you this. Oh good. Yeah. I was going to ask you that. I just want to finish by saying that, you know, we we are the ones that are artificially constructing yeah. the, the struggle and yeah. the pain. It doesn't exist in nature naturally. You
1: know, going back a little bit to your work with, with leaders, with organizations um, and seeing that play out, what do you say to large organizations, the heads of organizations that maybe are coming from a more systemic, structured, old school background, which is absolutely changing. The millennials are not going to be having that. And I guess I'm really speaking to, from a perspective of law firms. So I've been on a decade long tirade for law firms, like change or die, because these large, large, large ones, it's almost like too big to fail, right? That's how they feel. These mid-sized ones, some of them are getting it. Some of them are really getting it. And some of them are like, hell no. And I know they're going to be dying first. I'm like, what do you, what do you say to those types of uh, leaders and people to, you know, convince them to work with you, convince them to change?
0: I don't. Because if they're, I mean, there's nothing to convince. If, if you, you're you going to work with me, you're going to work with me. It's It's something that you feel that you need to and want to do, and you'll do it. I mean, if you're going to force something, then I don't think it's a, it's a, it's either a fit or it's the right time right So maybe the firm needs to go or the leader of the firm or the founder or whatever needs to go through some things before they are ready to come and work with somebody like me. So there's no forcing in any of this uh, because I definitely do not believe in in you know pushing anything. Like I said, these things are really, collaborative processes Mm -hmm. and they're not something that you impose and you force and you because that's just going back to the old way of working you know there's no difference then between just going out there propagandizing and selling and marketing um, rather than just letting people know that okay this is who I am and this is what I do and these are the benefits If you would like to experience this and you're interested, please do. That's it. It's a different mindset. Okay.
1: I like that. I really believe that there's a a weird, awesome, perfect timing in the universe and things happen when they happen. And I learn this all the time. You know, and I have an expectation that this call is going to happen at this time with somebody and, you know, maybe it's a call that I'm paying for, right? And it doesn't happen. You know, I'll I'll have that split second like, oh, God. And then I'll be like, all right, chill. And 1,000% of the time, it always ends up being in my favor somehow, you know, and just, you know, yeah, it just, yeah. So... Yeah, I've had to learn that one the hard way when I've pushed and gotten exactly what I wanted to only learn, oh shit, no, you didn't. <laughs> right. Um, but now I've learned. Now I've learned. Um, not perfect at it yeah. still, but I'm learning. All right. So let me ask you this, you know, being that you are kind of opening this up, so to speak, um, I know that you do referral only business with respect to leaders and mm-hmm. at a very high level too. So, so you know, how are you kind of letting people know that it's available to them now because it was referral only. I mean, should they go to your webpage? If there are leaders out there who want to know more about your work, where should we
0: send them? I have a wonderful website, uh, genuinehumanbeing.com or you can even look up drsangitasahi.com. They're both the same website. Um, And there you can find me. You can also Google me. I'm very much on Google. (coughs) and on linkedin <laughs> you know you can find on linkedin it's not it's 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 quite easy i'm available on online on the internet plus i i've been doing a lot of podcasts i've been on many interviews and for quite a number of years on online summits so people are aware um and yes i would definitely encourage people to come and visit the website because uh, I think there's quite a lot of interesting things on there related to different parts of the work that I do in different fields as well, and that will that has a, people are interested in all of it. So it's yeah, definitely. And there's an awful lot of interviews and information also on on the website that I think people find very interesting to read and know about too. Yeah. So, Quite easy. You're absolutely easy to find. You're absolutely easy to Google.
1: (laughs) And for those who are listening, it's Sangita S-A-N-G-E-E-T-A Sahi S-A-H-I. Okay, just so you have the spelling right when you're when you're Googling. And you know, this might be this might feel a little off topic, but because we do have listeners that are maybe between jobs, maybe trying to reinvent themselves, maybe trying to transition. I, I want everybody to hear what's kind of transpired. I know you're you're listening to. An MD, you're listening to an MBA. You're listening to this this world leader here in her own right. And but I want you to hear what she actually's done. You know, not only has she done a lot of, she's a documentary filmmaker, right? She is in sustainability. She's done all these things that you wouldn't necessarily think of when thinking OMD, oh, right? And the reason I'm mentioning this is because I don't want people to put themselves in a box. It gets very easy for us to say, "Well, I've I've been trained in this, and therefore, this is the job I'm looking for." And I think this is the ideal time that you can actually take it, um, you know, with all that's going on in the world, and really find out what's working for you, what lights you up, what is going to be the thing that energetically brings you to that next level, that next job. You know, she and I are so lucky to work in our field where. You know, even just this conversation lights me up. It gives me energy for the morning, you know? I mean, just doing this, this is what I love, right? And so when you find that thing, it's its not just going to be, oh, I only have to do what I was trained to do or what's expected of me. Now is such an ideal time to, yo, you want to go out and fill it, see if you're a filmmaker? You want to go write a book? You want to go do a photography? Like whatever, right? Just find it. But if you're going to make that change, you know, Like she said, slow down. Really consciously think about it. And then slow down
0: and listen to your heart. Yeah. That would be my leaving lines, really. Slow down and listen to your heart. I love it. All right. Awesome.
1: Awesome. So thank you so much again for being with us. And um that's it. I just I really appreciate your time. I always look forward to speaking with you. And it's been it's been wonderful. Thank you.
0: Likewise, Kirsten, thank you so much. And thank you to your listeners for again taking the time out to uh and attention to listen in our very, very busy lives. So I wish everybody well. Stay safe, be safe, be well.
1: So that is it for this week. Thank you for joining me, and I hope that you enjoyed today's show. If so, don't forget to rate it. If you guys have a pressing question, feel free to tweet me at CS Thrive uh, or on Instagram at Thrive Tribe 3.14159. Again, I know that's a weird one. It's just pie. So it's three, it's Thrive underscore Tribe underscore 3.14159. Or of course you can join me in Facebook at my free group, which is Thrive Tribe Global. If you just search groups and you enter in Thrive Tribe Global, you should see us there Um, and you can join it for free. Uh, I answer your questions in there. But if you guys send me a question through there, I will be sure to answer it here on this podcast. And as always, if you're ever interested in advertising on the show, please contact the Believe Network at Believe, B-L-E-A-V, at Believe.com. Thanks so much for joining me.